How many love coming together to worship God in the house of the Lord together? Come on, isn't it good? How many met Jesus so far here tonight? Come on, I hope so. Uh, I want to remind you, remind most of you, that uh, our pre-service prayer times, you do not want to miss these half an hour before worship starts. Uh, those who were here today at 5.30 just dove right in and set the tone, and I would love to see all of you join us uh, in future weeks. Uh, 5.30 uh, Saturday and half hour before each uh, worship service on uh, Sunday. Now, a couple of things we're doing here tonight. The first thing I want to do uh, is invite my lovely wife up to join me. We are going to, yeah, go ahead, give her a big hand. She deserves it. Uh, you'll recall we went through a list of 10 things that we're going to unveil uh, in 2018. Uh, so the very first one is happening right here, right now, this weekend, uh, and it involves Right Now Media, and I will let her take it over from here. All right, guys. This weekend at approximately 12.45 p.m. tomorrow, you should all receive an invitation. Actually, our members are going to receive an invitation uh, to join Right Now Media. And it is a free resource that is going to come into your mailbox. So it is an invitation to join. It's free. The church is covering that. It's for our members. Uh, and you just have to follow the links there to set up your account, and you will receive a license to start streaming that on all of your devices, and even on your smart TV if you have Roku, Apple TV, all of those, okay? So we just want to give you a little bit of a preview of what is coming to your home. So here's a video. Look at it's the Netflix for Christian growth. I am so pumped about this, guys. There are so many things for you. Um, I wrote some things down. It, there's channels like youth, marriage, men, women, missions, adoption, and foster care. Like, there's all this stuff that, um, that you guys can do. How to, there's work there and all those sorts of things, guys. There's even a channel of science and history, which, shows, which proves the Bible through science. It gives you a walk through history from Bible times all the way through. It is a top-notch resource, and we're excited to put this in your hands. We have authors like Ravi Zacharias, Andy Stanley, Tony Evans, Larry Osborne, Priscilla Schreier, Beth Moore. The list goes on and on and on. It is an, an incredible resource. Here is our, is this the kids' channel? I don't know where I am right now. Did she? Oh, parenting. Look at parenting, guys. Have a new kid by Friday. That is a must watch. <laughs> Get the book. Watch the watch the series. It has everything in here on how to talk about sex with your kids. Uh, parents, there's when you get to the teen section, there is a whole section on sex and dating as well, uh, and it's all from a biblical perspective. I've watched several of them already, and I just think it's top notch. There are parental controls as well for parents, so that you can um, set those controls as well. If you don't want them watching certain things, you can do that. Uh, a youth section here. From every topic under the sun, Tim Tebow is one of the speakers, Francis Chan. Guys, it is, it is a legit resource to equip your whole family, and we're so blessed and pleased to offer this to our members. There's a section for guys, a section for girls, and girls don't go sneaking into the guys section, and girls don't, you know, vice versa. It's private stuff. 
So men to be men, girls to be girls. Marriage, guys, this is a phenomenal resource. I've watched a couple of them already, the whole series, just to preview. And again, it is just talking about every single thing that marriage hits. Um, So we want to make sure that you guys do that. There's a whole section on biblical finance, which has people like uh, Dave Ramsey, right, and Crown Financial Ministries to equip you to become better managers of your own personal finance. So there's so, so much. Husbands only, wives only. Don't go sneaking and saying, thus saith the Lord. He said this from, no, no, no. Let him go in, and girls, you go into your section, okay? There's, uh, in marriage, there's people like Les and Leslie Perot, um, and uh, Emerson and Sarah Egrich, who have written the I Love You More series. Like, it is just a phenomenal resource again. And lastly, we want to highlight the Kids Channel. So in that upper right hand, you'll see on your device when you just click it, it is another entire library just for your kids from preteens to elementary. So everyone in your family from the newborns straight through have something for them. There's a whole section uh, as it scrolls down that is just for family devotionals. So there's uh, different things that you can watch a video for and then it equips you even with downloadable worksheets and conversations to have with your kids after you've watched this video. Many of the resources have worksheets that you can open and download uh, for your benefit and working through. Small groups can now access this as well. Um, So it's going to be awesome. So look for your email for all of our official members. Tomorrow afternoon, set up your account. Remember, it is for free. And we just want to thank you for supporting our church by giving this to you. Come on, so good. So good. You guys are going to love that. There's just a ton on there. You noticed one of the channels you might have seen called Living Hope. We'll have our own spot where we can be putting videos or devotionals, anything like that that we ever make or that we do, we will have on there. Uh, So you always uh, have access uh, to them. Uh, There's a young adults channel. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. There's tons and tons of stuff. We will use some of this in C groups from time to time. We will get all C groups in the church on the same topic and watching the same couple videos. Uh, along the way so that uh, there's everybody hearing and learning the same things. So look for that tomorrow. Dive on in. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, that's the first of the 10 things that's happening. Uh, I was at the uh, Gage Park campus this last week, which is motoring along very nicely. And uh, we were there with a few of our uh, techie slash music people looking at the uh, floor plan and the layout for the recording studio that we mentioned to you as well, where that can go. And we actually were able to add a couple feet to the room while we were there. It's nice being able to look at things before they're built. You can just add two feet like that. Uh, No walls to mess with yet. Uh, So this is an exciting year. How many believe 2018 is going to be a great year uh, here in our church? Amen? I want to continue here tonight. Uh, Spear and spade. We're doing this for a month. You'll actually hear a great uh, message from my wife in a couple weeks on this. This was her idea, actually, this topic. Uh, so she's going to do the, the message. The message that really brings it all home in two weeks uh, and undoes some of my uh, lackluster teaching, perhaps. <coughs> Number two here tonight, I want to start with a, a paint an image in your mind. What would you think and what would you do if you encountered somebody in your life who was very, very harsh towards you because you're a Christian? Somebody who was dangerous towards Christians. 
not just, oh, I think you're an idiot, you know, not just like saying some things, but I mean like, I mean like you got to be like worried, like they're out to hurt and harm and kill and, you know, do whatever they can to uh, you know, really intimidate uh, Christians. What, what's our, what do you, what would you and I do? How would we think about that person? What would our automatic default response be? If we encountered somebody like this and they knew uh, that you love Jesus and they're out to get you, what would, we th- what would we think? How would we treat them? How would we think about them? How would we pray about them? Or would we even pray about them or for them? I want to leave that with you. And we're going to get to something a little bit later that gives us a glimpse as to the way Jesus would handle someone like that. The way Jesus would handle people who just antagonize you and drive you batty because of your faith. Many of you have shared stories with us, and I know many many of you have people in your lives who are like that, who are just, they used to be fine with you when you didn't know Jesus, but once you met Jesus, man, they turned on you, uh, and you you put up with their, uh, kind of their venom all the time. You know, one of the things that I've noticed when we start to dive into the Bible on this topic, spear and spade, learning to be a builder, right, your spade, your building tools, if you will, but a spear, also learning to be a warrior. Often the skills that are needed for one are actually needed for both. Often these skills overlap with one another. Often the skill that you need and the spiritual growth that you need to be a kingdom builder is the same skills and the same spiritual growth you need to be a warrior. Often often there's a blend. They're not as compartmentalized as we might think. So don't let the title of this make you feel uh, like this is completely compartmentalized. And here's another thing I want to highlight tonight and and dive into tonight. Most of us don't realize it, but we usually have our first experiences as builders and as warriors much earlier in our Christian journey than we realize. Way earlier. Sometimes the very next day after you start your relationship with Jesus. We have to start to just look at our lives realistically and honestly and say, what am I allowing the Lord to develop in me? How am I growing and maturing? And understand that as long as you are on any path or any lifestyle of growth, you're becoming a better builder and a better warrior. Don't think of that like you have to be, you know, just the greatest warrior who's ever lived. Defeat millions and millions of armies in order to be counted a warrior. No, you need to learn to defeat that one enemy that's staring at you right now in your life. That one thing that faces you, that one thing that holds you back. Some of the best kingdom builders that I've ever seen in my life never, ever, 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 ever do anything publicly where anybody would see them or recognize them. There are people in heaven right now that I know who have already gone to be with the Lord who I, I am convinced have reaped incredible heavenly rewards when they got there, and they never once were up here. They were never once teaching a class. They weren't doing a podcast or writing books, but man, were they kingdom builders. So get rid of the wrong concepts and the wrong ideas, like, well, only a select few people can be real warriors or kingdom builders. No, when you meet Jesus, you've enlisted right then. You become equipped and skilled. If you start to grow, if you don't grow, then I get it. You know, it doesn't happen. But if you're growing in your journey, in your faith, in your walk with Jesus, he's going to teach you how to be a builder and a warrior. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do both. There was a young girl who met Jesus in our church a number of years ago. And this, I mean, this story has happened a lot, but this one really strikes me for some reason. It's been a, it's been a number of years, maybe because of the intensity of her situation. She uh, was a young adult when she met Jesus, 
and didn't live at home anymore, but hated her dad. I mean, hated him. And as we got to know her, and uh, Mary and I were involved in her lives, Mary especially helping her as a new believer, led her to the Lord and began to work with her. And as she would talk about her dad and the way he would treat her, her whole life, the way he treated her, and then even still then as a young adult, when she would go over for Christmas or whatever, every single visit turned into World War III, every time. And she explained how life was, and, you know, like, you could get it. You could kind of sympathize and understand, like, this guy was a jerk. He treated her bad. And she said, I don't usually lose my temper and yell and swear and freak out on too many people, but him, I do every single chance I get. He always pushes my buttons. She goes, I don't walk through the door ready to do that, but he starts, and I don't take it. I just go bonkers and let him have it. And so she's just describing this part of her life, among other things, okay? So God's working in her life, and she really met Jesus. She was in the Word. She was learning how to pray a few minutes a day and would come with great questions all the time to my wife about Scripture and about this and about that. And one day she comes, and I remember when she shared this with us because she was, like, really confused by it. She's like, I was at my parents' the other day for some dinner, and as usual, my dad got onto the same shtick, and I just yelled and swore at him and told him off like I always do, because that's what he deserves. She goes, and something inside didn't feel right. Like, she says, this is going to sound weird, but when I left, I felt like I, I, I shouldn't talk to him like that. And she's asking us, like, what, what is that? Like, I definitely should be talking to him like that. The guy is an idiot. He deserves to hear every single thing I say. He's treated me like this for decades. But why did I feel like that when I left? I've never felt like that in my life. And we were able to talk to her and say, that is probably the still small voice of the Lord starting to put his finger on something and say, hey, look, I know you've been mistreated. I know this guy is a piece of work, but I'm going to help you learn how to respond to difficulty and hard situations in life without having to lose control and freak out and yell and scream and say hurtful things in response. And God started to work on this area. And it was, it was literally baffling to her at first to realize, like, wow, that's not how God wants me to act. That's not how God wants me to respond. Yet, began, began to be faithful uh, at that time, began to be faithful to say, I'm going to uh, respond the way Jesus wants me to respond, and I'm going to learn how to start to control myself. How many would say that's not an easy task? Well, you've lived for years and for decades, in fact, having been wronged, treated awful, mistreated, just horrible, and still are, even though you don't live there anymore, and you're still being treated like that anytime uh, you happen to show up. You know, the story that she experienced is the same thing for you and I. We come to moments in our lives where we have decisions to make as followers of Jesus. Do I justify my actions? Do I justify my hurtful words? And do I keep responding the way I always have because they deserve it? Or do I start to say, okay, God, that kind of hurts. But you've put your finger on that. You've asked me to stop it, and I'm going to start to obey. Obedience is a decision that we all face. And in those moments right there, in those real-life decisions, we are learning how to either be builders and warriors or we're going to stop our growth and say, nope, I'm not obeying that. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not allowing you to go there, God. Uh, John 14, 23 tells us, if you love me, you will obey my teachings. God kind of backs you into a corner once you meet him. Once you start your relationship with Jesus and you crack the Bible, you realize, uh-oh, I'm stuck. <laughs> he backs you right into a corner because your heart is like, yes, I love Jesus and I want more of him. 
And then you read verses like that and say, oh, great, I'm glad you love me. Guess what? Those who love me are going to obey my teachings. And you have to wrestle with this thing, like, do I keep reading the Bible? Because the more I read it, I'm going to hear more of his teachings. The more of his teachings I hear, I'm backing myself into a corner of having to obey them. Isn't this true? Sometimes don't you wish you had never seen certain scriptures? Like, man, why did I start that Bible reading plan? I had no idea that was in there. It was much easier to just keep living like I was because I didn't know any better. You have a decision to make. I'm going to obey what I see in Scripture, even when it's hard, even when it hurts. In her situation, I, re- I really remember thinking, like, wow, God, like, this, is, this is real life. This is where you, only you can help somebody learn to respond uh, with self-control and with love to somebody who has not shown that ever once in their whole life. Not just somebody, somebody's father. Let's be real. You're, you grow up as a little girl or a little boy. Your father should be the one who you can trust and go to the most. And when they treat you the opposite way, it hurts the most. And I totally could get. I, I've sympathized all day long listening to her stories about how he was. But God comes along and says, if you don't ever change that response behavior, if you always carry around that anger and that hurt and that bitterness, that's you wearing that the rest of your life. I want to come and set you free despite the fact that he's been a clown. I'm going to come and set you free. I'll take care of him in my time. Don't you worry, but I'm going to set you free inside. You don't have to walk around ready to explode all the time. You don't have to walk around thinking you have to defend yourself all the time. You now have me with your back. You now have me as your defender. I'll be a perfect father that you never had. I'm going to be thankful for the love of the father. Amen? Come on, he's a perfect, perfect father. (coughs) In, In her situation, let's be real, like most of us, Hurtful words, spewing things, that, that, that is often the toughest one for us humans to, uh, to get a hold of. It's easy to flap the gums. The enemy loves to get people out there with loose gums. But God comes along and says, I'm going to change you from the inside and you'll start speaking different because you know me. Because you love me, you'll obey me. I'm going to pull up a graphic here. You've seen this before from my dad, our Blueprints for Success uh, graphic. I want to take a, a look at this here for a couple minutes. <clears throat> Okay, so blueprints for a successful life. You see freedom, fruitfulness, and blessing, okay, over on the side. Now, one thing that I've observed in our lives as humans is quite often freedom, fruitfulness, and blessing, they grow progressively that way, okay? We'll talk about these other lines here in a moment, how this builds a foundation and you build a life, you build yourself on it. You and I, we like it to be blessing, fruitfulness, and maybe a tiny bit of freedom. Nothing too difficult, God. Let's just deal with some super easy surface issues. But boy, I want tons of blessing and fruitfulness. We wish it was reversed. But it's not reversed. The more free you get, the more fruitfulness you bear, and the more blessing you see in your life. And the more free you get and you continue to get free, you start to see God show up and do even more. We can't bypass the freedom step. You can't bypass the foundation yet still expect the glorious house. The glorious building. You have to build the foundation. And this is why I believe God does those kinds of things. The story I just shared. He puts his finger on something because he wants her to be free. Think about when you met Jesus, the things he started putting his finger on. The way you talk, the way you dress, the habits, the way you spent money, the addictions. All those different things, all of them are freedom issues. We get addicted to stuff. We lose control of our temper. We treat people the way we do. We gossip and yap too much. We, uh, you know, get drunk and do all sorts of stuff. Why? Because there's a lack of freedom in our lives. A lack of freedom. Once you get the freedom of Jesus, you are free to say no to all that. 
One of the, one of the dumbest lies the enemy tries to use, and I say dumb because it just makes no sense, is he tries to convince people sometimes that you don't want to become one of those Christian religious people because then you're bound to follow all these rules and do all this sort of stuff that it says in the Bible. No, 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 the total opposite. We're not bound at all by anything. I'm now free to say no to this and free to say no to that, and free to say no to that bad behavior, that bad addiction, wasting half my income on all sorts of things that are killing me, literally physically and mentally killing me. I can say no to it all now because Jesus sets us free. You're not bound by anything. You're set free from all the stuff you were bound by before. So don't let those lies that the enemy tries to throw out there ever, ever, ever trick you or get you confused. Your journey as a Christian, okay, you, you, you become saved, you become a, a follower of Jesus, you, have, you now have a new relationship with God. So right at the bottom, Jesus and God. You have Jesus in your life, now you love God. Why? Because he first loved you. And you start this journey with him. You start this relationship with him. Your foundation is built on the cross, the work of the cross. I just kind of touched on that. That's how you're able to get free because Jesus is alive and is bringing freedom into your life. The work on the cross, the Holy Spirit work in your life, the Bible, and faith is built through all this. Faith is built through this journey. Obedience in your life starts to lead to fruitfulness. So as we obey these things, we obey the work on the cross. We obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. We obey the word. We start to live in faith, which produces more obedience. We now start to have a heart for people, and we start to bear fruit in our lives, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. You start to see fruitfulness flow out of a freeing life. You're still in the process of being set free from stuff. You're not entirely free of everything in you know, three weeks. It's a journey. There might be some things that take you months or years to get free from, but you can start bearing fruit along the way as you're becoming more free. The more free you become, God's able to use you to help others meet him and become free as well. If you're bound up by all the same sinful things and wrong ways of thinking and habits and attitudes that you were before you knew Jesus, you're not going to be able to lead anybody else into any, any greater freedom. You can tell them you go to church and invite them along. And God could perhaps snag them and, you know, almost scoop them away from your influence and do something amazing. But if you yourself want to see the fruit being born in your life, get free of stuff. Get free of the issues of life. Amen? Once this process starts to happen now, okay, I hope this is making sense, the foundational things, we often want to skip them and just jump to the fruitfulness and the blessing. You can't bypass obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can't bypass the word of God, reading it and obeying it. You can't bypass him developing faith in your life. So you suddenly go from someone who thinks, I could never influence anybody or say a word or a peep to anyone. Now God starts to put faith in you, like, I'm going to use you to have an impact in your family. I'm going to use you to start to have an impact in people around you. You're going to learn to love people. You're going to learn to speak to people. I'm going to develop new faith in you. You start to love on people, and this is our process we use at our church here. Uh, engage, establish, equip, and empower. This is our track, our journey that we believe that, uh, that will help anybody who comes in and anyone who meets Jesus. Okay, we follow this along. We want to engage people. We want to see them established in their faith and their walk with God and established in the local church that he plants them in. We want to equip them. The Bible tells church leaders and pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You guys are the saints in Bible terms. Everybody who comes to Jesus, you're what the Bible calls a saint. You're the ones who God says, let's equip them so that they can do the work of ministry, and then people are empowered to go and do that work. 
when you look around our church, when you go and you run into people who are leading different areas of ministry, people who are leading small groups, people who are overseeing uh, different uh, you know, cell group lines and doing pastoral work as volunteers. They have all been through this process where they've met Jesus, they've been established in their faith and in their church, they've been equipped, and now they've been empowered to go and carry the load that they're carrying and just and, you know, go, keep going. All of us are called to be empowered into whatever skill set, calling, and gifting you have in your life. And I've said this enough the last few weeks, you all have a significant, important role in the body. If you missed the last couple of weeks, go online and check it out. But all of us have an important role in the body. Amen? Once that process continues to happen, you now have constant and sustainable growth, which leads to being a victorious church. Constant and sustainable growth is something that becomes a system and a process that just keeps repeating itself. This is the way God intends his body to grow. We can often look at a fruit tree and say, that tree, when it bears a bunch of fruit, there, it's now fruitful. In God's way of determining fruitfulness, it's a little bit different. He doesn't just say, that person bore fruit, now they're fruitful. That person bore fruit who can turn around and bear fruit themselves and who can turn around and bear fruit themselves. And the process keeps reproducing in a sustainable, constant way. That's his definition of fruitfulness. If God's definition of fruitfulness was the same as a a one year, a tree, you know, an apple tree gives all of its apples a one year and then winter comes and it, uh, you know, goes back to having nothing on it. All the churches would end in one generation, and that'd be it. But just like an apple tree has that seed that can go into the ground and produce more apple trees, that can produce more apples, that can produce more apple trees, that's what he's called you and I to do, to be disciples of Jesus who can help partner with him and see more disciples of Jesus produced. And those disciples can help more disciples of Jesus be produced. Does this make sense? This is the growth process. This is the plan that God has for us if we're going to be a victorious church and if we're going to learn to be builders and warriors. If you're going to learn to, if you start engaging in this process, you're becoming a builder and a warrior as you go. Okay, let me just give you a couple quick examples. I don't want to take too long on this tonight. We're going to go for a month. When When you're with the Lord and he starts to work in your life and the Holy Spirit puts his finger inside of you, it puts his finger on you and says, stop talking back to your dad like that, even though he's treated you awful for all those years, you have an option here to obey him and start to learn to be a spiritual warrior because you need to be a warrior to overcome something that has had a hold of your life for a long time. You need to have some spiritual warfare skills to be able to be set free of the hurt and the pain and the wrongdoing that somebody sent your way. So that girl, the story I shared earlier, as a brand new Christian, she was already learning to be a spiritual warrior. You and I might make the mistake sometimes of not seeing her that way. Well, she's not doing amazing things for the kingdom yet. Oh, oh, she sure is. In the spiritual realm, she has just taken out her first bit of armor and has put to death a work the enemy had done in her life and broke some shackles off of her that the enemy had had for a long time. She's absolutely learning to be a spiritual warrior. Just like any of us, it starts one thing after another and it builds. You don't go from praying the prayer to, you know, just going berserk and, uh, you know, seeing the whole world transformed in a week. As a builder, when you start to learn to operate faith, in faith, you start to learn the principles of tithing, which most of us hate, because who here would just voluntarily give money away? We wouldn't have put that in the Bible if we had our choice. But like some of you have very uh, aptly pointed out over the years, you say, hey, 10%, that's a bargain compared to the 30, 40% I used to waste on all my drugs and alcohol and vices and things before I knew Jesus. 10% all day long, no probs, God. I can do that. 
Well, when you learn to operate in faith and you start to establish tithing and you start to establish serving in your life as part of a body that he connects you with, you're now becoming a builder. So don't ever look at somebody and say, they just started coming to our church a month ago and they help park cars. Well, they're not really a builder yet. Oh, oh yeah, they are. 100% they are. They're learning how to build the kingdom of God. They've come and they've met Jesus and now they've rolled up their sleeves and said, let me go at the first thing I can do. I'm going to start learning to be a builder. And then you keep building on top and on top and you keep adding more and you keep building more. This is how the process works. And then it just grows from there. We could go on all day with examples of how that looks. But much earlier than you realized, God got you on a path of being a builder and a warrior. We need to make sure we stay close to the Holy Spirit. We stay close in the word, reading it, memorizing it, obeying it. Don't ever let it go. And he will continue you on your path of being a builder and being a warrior. He will take you uh, into some bigger battles. He will get you to start to carry some bigger loads and do some things that stretch you more and require more time and require different skill sets. But don't ever despise the small beginnings. Don't ever despise the beginning process when we meet Jesus or when your friend or your family meets Jesus. As long as this process is happening, they are on the track to being a builder and a warrior. Amen? Acts 9.31 says, The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Now, when I see this phrase, then the church enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, I think, hmm, I wonder what happened prior to that. First thing I think of when I read a verse like that. I looked up this verse for this message. When I saw the word then, I thought, okay, I got to go back further. See what we're talking about here. Then it had a time of peace and was strengthened. I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but what happened prior was Saul was going around killing Christians. Saul, going around, armed and just fueled by the devil, he was sent, my mission in life is to murder Christians. I'm not talking like, use the word murder like we do. I mean literally murder. Like he was going around killing Christians. Dragged them before the courts. Say, I found another one. Here you go. A bounty hunter just finding Christians. Bring them on in. You guys can lop their heads off or do whatever you want. I'm going to go find them uh, and keep bringing as many as I can. And he's on a journey. He's going from one town to the next, and all of a sudden God smacks him, and he falls to the ground, and he can't see. And he has this encounter with the Holy Spirit. He has this encounter with God calling out to him. What are you doing? Why are you killing my people? And I'm just giving you the short version. This is the prior 30 verses to the verse we just read. Okay, this is the first 30 verses in Acts 9. Because what's happening? He says, get back up. You're going to go, and you're going to start living a different life. You're not going to be killing Christians anymore. And in verse, I want to make sure I get this right, <coughs> the wording of this right. God's asking, why do you persecute me, blah, blah, blah. In verse 8, it says he couldn't see anything when he opened his eyes. And so he went into Damascus, and there was someone named Ananias there. And God calls out to Ananias and says, go find this guy Saul, because he's praying. He's seen a vision of me. Go pray with him, and he's going to have his sight restored. And Ananias said, uh, God, I've heard a lot of reports about this guy. I'm not sure I want to go waltzing into a house where he is. I may never come out. Now, real, let's be real. That's a legit fear. This guy's job, this guy's life is to kill Christians. Now you're telling me to go see him? Go find the house where he is and go pray with him? You're going to restore his sight? God, it's probably pretty cool that he can't see anymore. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we just... Most of us, 
trying to be as honestly, trying to be as spiritually minded as we could, we would think, we would probably come here and say something like this publicly. This guy has been terrorizing our community, murdering Christians, and look what God has done. God has blinded him so he can't see anymore. He can't chase Christians around anymore. Give God a hand. Come on, God has made this guy blind. Let's be real. Who among here would say, well, that doesn't make much sense. We would think, yeah, God, nice work. He's blind, finally. Whew. And God says, go pray for this guy so he can see again. I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do it for my own safety, but honestly, I wouldn't want him to be able to see. I'd want to pray from a far distance away, you know what I mean, where you can't, you can't get a hold of me. But Ananias has been on the process of the blueprints. He's learned how to hear the voice of the Lord. You know, once you develop it, and it takes some time, I get it. If you're new at this and you're, oh, I don't know how to hear something that clear, keep listening to the little things he prompts you of, keep obeying, and you'll hear more and more and more. That's obedience leads to greater obedience. That's all there is. He's like, he knows this is God. Okay, God. Now, the first story I shared with our friend, God puts his finger on stop yelling and swearing at your dad. Ananias has been developed for many more years in his journey with the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit shows up and says, go find the Christian killer and pray that he can see. There's a big journey in between those two people. There's a big process that takes place in there. It's all part of the growth. It's all part of being developed. It doesn't happen the next day. God doesn't usually, be, you know, maybe speak something that intense the day after someone prays their prayer. They wouldn't know what that is or what to do with it or if it's really him. But Ananias obeys, like we should when the Holy Spirit speaks something. He goes, it says, okay, Brother Saul, this is what the Lord told me. And he says, scales immediately fell from his eyes. In verse 18, he got up and he baptized them. So he's thinking, okay, let's, let's, uh, do, let's make some business here as soon as we can. This guy can see, let's dunk him, let's start praying over him. Let's try to purify and get this guy holy before he murders me. Uh, let's, let's, let's try to hit him with as much of the Lord as we can. Hit him with as much Holy Spirit as we can. He took some food, and he regained his strength. Ananias leaves, and off we go. Okay, now it says, at once he began preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Everybody was astonished and said, isn't this the guy who was raising havoc? And now he's here teaching and preaching? What's happening here? The Jews got really nervous, it says, in verse uh, 23, and it says, after many days, they had a conspiracy to kill him. So they thought, we're not trusting, this, this guy is fooling us all. He's here preaching and sounding like us now, probably just to get a whole bunch of us close and kill a whack load at once. That's, this, is, this is what's going on in their minds. Saul learned of his plan uh, and ended up leaving. Him and his followers took him and they lowered him uh, out of the city and he was able to get out of there. It says he went to Jerusalem and he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. This is verse 26. They were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he was really a disciple. I love the story. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoke to him, and he preached fearlessly in Damascus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly. Boldly, this guy preached. Well, I guess so. If you were bold enough to be rounding up and murdering people, you're bold enough to do anything. Boldly, he preached in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Jews, but they tried to kill him. The roles have been reversed now. Now he's preaching the gospel, and everybody else, the Jews, are trying to kill him instead. When the believers learned that they were trying to kill him, they took him down and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, what I started with here, and I want to make sure we don't forget this, often after a season 
Often in your life, a season of growth and peace will come after a season of turmoil and attack. That's often how this works. When you go through a season of attack and opposition and turmoil, God often brings you into a season of peace and growth. And it says the church was strengthened and they began to grow and they had a season of peace where they were able to enjoy life. Now, a few things I want us to look at from this story. One, only a close, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit can get you to the point that Ananias was at, where you're willing to go and do something that risky. You're willing to obey some directive from the Lord that seems that insane. Like, really, God? Go on and pray for this guy? He knew the voice of the Lord because he developed a lifestyle of obeying it. His process, it's the exact same process you and I are on. No different. You keep learning to obey and hear that voice, you have have stories to tell by the end of your life of some interesting things God has whispered for you to go and do and for you to go and say and people for you to go and uh, be in touch with. The second principle here, (coughs) some of the most rabid, antagonistic, hateful, crazy people you know can become some of the most passionate, committed soul-winning, you know, devil-destroying followers of Jesus that you'll ever see. When I started off with the story earlier, what would you do if you knew somebody like this? What would our response be? How would we pray for them? We would pray for God to remove them. We would pray for God to blind them so they can't see who's the Christian and who's not. <laughs> this is often how most, most of us, a lot of us, would pray. Imagine a church full of people who are that absolutely sold out to their cause. They don't care what anybody says. They don't care if people are trying to kill them or not. I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus. I'm spreading the love of Jesus every chance I get. I'm sharing the good news of Jesus all the time. Don't just look at people and judge them based on the activities that they're involved in prior to knowing Jesus. You need to begin to pray that they meet Jesus. And he's going to take that and he's going to fuel them uh, into something that is just absolutely uh, just like they can be massive kingdom builders. This is why it's important as Christians for you and I to never burn bridges. There are people that you and I know who drive you batty with some of their social views, some of their moral views, some of their political views, some of their language, some of the things that they say about us or believe about us. Don't burn bridges over natural disagreements. Don't burn bridges over some of the dumb stuff that you hear or that you see. Pray and believe that, God, you're going to get a hold of them and radically save them. And when they do, nobody's going to be able to stop them. Once you get a hold of that person, they're just so passionate and sold out to their cause. God, once you get a hold of them, they're going to be that that same zeal and that same passion that you created them with is now going to be something that's used in the kingdom. We need to change our perspective. And not just say, oh, this person would be, how often do you hear a Christian say this? This person would be great to be a Christian. They would make a perfect Christian. You usually say that about people that are pretty much exactly like you. You don't usually say that about people that are like Saul. Oh, he would make a great Christian. The guy murders everybody he sees. He hates, he hates people. A total lunatic. No, you, you don't say that. That phrase doesn't come out of Christians' mouths about people like that. It comes, out of, uh, it comes out of our mouths towards people we think are so calm and polite and have some semblance of maybe some godly virtues or what seem to be godly virtues already uh, in their life. The third principle I want us to pull from this, you and I need to learn to be a Barnabas. All the other disciples were like, okay, no, thanks, buddy, but we don't trust you, we don't believe you, we're scared of you. But, but the verse says, but Barnabas came and took him to the apostles and vouched for him. He said, I've been watching 
I've been hearing. He had a relationship with God too. I guarantee you he was also getting, there was some confirmation going on in his heart. Like, this is legit. There's wisdom involved here, okay? Just because someone says they're now a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you just run wild and follow after them and believe them. Fruit will bear itself out. You will be able to watch and observe, and that is exactly what he was doing. He says, I've seen the way this guy preaches. He didn't just go and say, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really uh, soft and I like to uh, be nice to everybody, so I'm going to vouch for this guy. No, he went in those verses and he said, I was watching how he preached. I heard what he was saying. I watched him putting himself in harm's way. I watched people coming to kill him. He wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. He watched and he saw enough and the Holy Spirit confirmed enough to say, this is legit. If he was just putting on a show, he wouldn't get that close to being dragged off by people ready to murder him. Like you can trick people without getting quite to that point. You know what I mean? If he was just up to a big scheme here. We need to learn to be a Barnabas. See the potential in somebody and call it out. See the potential in somebody and speak life over them. When you look at somebody, you've got a friend who every single view is opposite of you. Every social, moral, political, every view you can think of is the opposite. You need to still find something to say, man, I love this about you. I love that you're like this. I love that you have that passion. I love the way that you, you'll see things this way or that way. You and I as Christians need to start to call out the potential in people. You and I need to be a Barnabas. It takes a person of faith and a person of the Holy Spirit and a person with the love of God to look at somebody in their pre-Christian state and call the best out of them. Call God's work out of them and believe for greater change. Amen? I'd like you to welcome Melissa Loisel on up to the stage. She's going to join us here for a moment. Let me see this. Thank you. Well, you have a big cheering section. All right, so you can come on up here now. <clears throat> I could, I mean, there's numbers of people in our church. Why don't you step right up so they can see over there too. Numbers of people in our church who have come and gotten saved, and God saves you from the way you were living, right? And then he takes us into a new journey. I remember back when her and her hubby first showed up. I have some interesting stories from when they first showed up <laughs> to our small group at our house. I'll save that for them to share if they desire. It was, it's been amazing to watch the transformation over the years, okay? To see people before they knew Jesus, then have that whole process journey take place, you know, where you kind of struggle with it and fight with it a bit, but then meet Jesus, and now living a life sold out to Jesus. And what I want her to share with you is a couple of things. First, we're, I want to hear from her on what sort of things she used to be super passionate and zealous about before she knew Jesus, okay? Saul was passionate about murdering people. She wasn't quite to that point, Okay. <laughs> Not quite. Never actually did it. Politicians, maybe. Okay, politicians. <laughs> She's going to share some of what she used to be passionate about, and then we'll talk about what God has done. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and just give people a, a view of your prior to Jesus life. All right. Well, basically, I was very anti. So anti meaning anything that was the norm. So if you ate meat, well, guess what? I didn't. Um... <laughs> You know, I would let you know about it. If you listen to Top 40, I didn't. You know, it was not anything mainstream I was not into. Um, but I was very zealous and very passionate about political things, social issues. I was one of those people in the protests. Okay. Uh, with the signs, you know, angry, peaceful protest, but very angry. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that, that really, um, I really had a, a burden to, for injustice. And now serving the Lord, I know that it's from God, that, in, that, that passion and that zeal to, 
for justice to be fulfilled. Um, another one was the poor. It was, I really fought, um, well, use that, whatever. But um, one, of my, one of my passions was fighting for the poor. Um, so that was one of the specific protests that I was very active in, in, uh, in Mike Harris and, you know, all those politicians. Yeah. You, uh, you were uh, not a fan of uh, Hamilton's Highway Project back in the day. The right. Red Hill the Red Hill, yeah. If Killing all those trees, right? Right. Um, I think 40,000 of them, actually. I think the number's 40,000. Still remembers. Um, anyways, I actually had this um, piece of wood that I wrote from one of the trees of the Red Hill that I wrote, Murdered by Deanny, across it, and I had it. I just got rid of it like a couple years ago because it was kind of nasty and I was little. <laughs> but I took a picture of it so I could show my children wow. how crazy I was. But, um, but yeah, so trees, nature, animals, you know, any of that. Anything worth fighting for, I was your girl. I, was, I would fight for you. I remember, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I remember we would go to the cottage with these guys just after they met Jesus. And so you're on this long drive to Quebec, and we'd stop at a Horton's once in a while for a, uh, to get a little snack or something for the kids. And her poor kids had to watch my kids eating these donuts and all this unhealthy stuff. But no chance were her kids allowed to eat anything other than perfect, organic, you know, pure veggie, which Horton's has none of, of course. So they, uh, they would uh, suffer all the time. But over the years, yeah, yeah, kind of eased up. Yeah. Balance. Yeah, it's a good thing. Now, yeah. that was your zeal. That was the sort of things you were passionate about. Deanny was the mayor at that time, for those who don't know. Murdered by Deanny, yeah. the guy who approved the highway. I'm friends with his nephew. Okay. Yes. So, she meets Jesus. And what's yes. happened since? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, that passion and that zeal that God gave me, that boldness to speak out... Um, is directed in the right place, you know. Um, so it's still there. It never went absolutely. away. Didn't all of a sudden yep. turn into some quiet little yep. Christian person yep. like who can't say a word, right? For okay. sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so just to, I'll tell one short story. Yeah. Uh, my parents lived in Texas for a season, and um, my dad's friend worked for NASA, that a part of NASA that made jets, and that was during the, um, the Gulf War. And uh, <laughs> so I meet this guy, and we're at dinner at my parents, and I start challenging him on where he works. And I'm this 16-year-old punk. You're like, back before Jesus days. I, yeah, this is okay. before Jesus. And, like, my dad should have backhanded me. You know what I mean? Like, I was just, <laughs> I was just like, so how does, it feel, how does it feel to kill Iraqi babies? Like, uh, you know, you're making these airplanes, and you know where they're going. Anyways, yeah, that's really bad, right? Nice dinner conversation. Okay, yeah, just light dinner conversation. Anyway, sorry, guys. Um, okay, that gives us but a good anyway, picture of your, But, yeah, yeah, just my craziness. Um, so, but, yeah, now, praise be to God. I, uh, yeah, I'm not afraid to just talk about what God's done in my life. I'm not afraid to... Um, encourage others like you were saying if I meet someone and I uh, have you know like someone of a relationship I can speak something like oh you, you're really good at meeting people or I see this about you or just calling mm -hmm. that out and um yeah it's just yeah I've seen this over the years since Melissa's gotten saved I mean I I I, I people watch right one of the things I love to do man like she just loves people and is probably more consistent than most people I know at just finding people she doesn't know, going on, going over there, loving on them, meeting them, mm -hmm. caring for them, trying to lead them to Jesus, you know, help, 
pray, encourage, like just all the time. That's a lifestyle all the time. And you see like that same tenacity that used to be there prior to Jesus. It's still there, but now it's loving. It's not angry and holding up signs and screaming and chaining themselves to trees. Right now it's more like being put to kingdom purposes. No, she doesn't know that I have this here. I want to pull this picture up here. Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord of mercy. Don't worry. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a picture of you. I oh. love this. This is just a quick glimpse into her. This was from Melissa's Instagram page from a, a week or two ago. I stole this off her. And she posted this on Instagram, like, all pumped yes. about it. Yes. Okay, so give us, a, give us a quick walkthrough of what's going on in your uh, mind here as okay, you post well, this. Okay, well, this is legit. This is really, like, my heart. So I love peanut butter. Who doesn't? I love Nutella. She, she loves Nutella. I can vouch for that. Holy cow. And I also enjoy butter. But I really love Jesus. Come on. And I really want to spread Jesus. Come on. This should be everyone's aspiration. <laughs> that Dear- right there is a well-balanced diet, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Come on. So good. So, so good. good. <laughs> you want to share anything else? Good. good. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, let's give her a hand for coming up and being transparent. How great is that Instagram post? I'm like, yes, come on. When you meet Jesus and you've got that zeal and that fire, you don't care who sees that. I want to spread all these things, but most of all, I want to spread a lot more of Jesus throughout the year. How many would say in 2018, you want to spread some more Jesus? Amen? We used to go to the cottage together, and let me tell you, she loves Nutella. She almost murdered me for eating all the Nutella one year when we were up there. I can, I can vouch for that, absolutely. Now, building our foundation... With daily prayer, we talked about this last week. Corporate prayer. Come 30 minutes before worship and get into the presence of God in prayer. Wednesday nights, we've got our upcoming couple Wednesday prayer meetings coming up, the end of the month and the start of February. Come on out here ready to spend one hour in the presence of God. It'll change you. It'll transform you. It'll, it's one of those obedience, faith-building lifestyles that God wants us to do. Amen? Uh, the Word of God. Daily reading of the Word. Memorizing the Word. I know I'm repeating some things from last week, but the basics and the foundational things have to be in place as lifestyles. Obedience, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a doer. And then Holy Spirit, we've talked about this a lot tonight. Listen for that still, small voice and obey it when you hear it. Talk to your C group leader, your friend who brought you, who's been a Christian longer. We can help you learn what it's like to hear the voice of the Lord. How to discern whether it's him or not. How to obey that still, small voice. The last thing I want us to look at here uh, before we're finished tonight is uh, another one of the videos that my wife posted during our prayer and fasting week. Okay, so again, ignore the references to prayer and fasting week. But let's take a look at this one here uh, tonight. (coughs) Why don't we shift our focus and take a look at the next characteristic of a spiritual warrior. A spiritual warrior is someone who is an atmosphere changer. Spiritual warriors are those that walk into a room and can change the atmosphere around them. Have you ever been discouraged or just down in the dumps and you have a faithful friend who comes along, offers you a hug, a listening ear, and a word of encouragement? I want to propose to you that that faithful friend, that believing friend, is a spiritual warrior in your life. They've come representing Jesus. They've come representing the heart of God towards you. Spiritual warriors have an understanding of God's love. And they function and live their lives wanting to represent and display the heart of God to all of those around them. Spiritual warriors are keenly aware 
that the enemy's purpose in life is to make you feel helpless and hopeless. If the enemy can make you feel that way, he's just one step closer to having you give up and walk away from faith altogether. Spiritual warriors are so aware of that, that they want to walk around representing the heart of God to you. Let's take a look at this scripture, and it's found in John verse 12, 21, and it says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Every single day that you have been gifted life, you have been gifted an opportunity to be a display of God's love. No matter where life takes you, I want to encourage you to be that voice of hope in somebody's life. Today's application is really simple. Whether you're at the coffee shop grabbing your coffee to pick me up while you're sluggish with your fasting, <laughs> or whether you're standing in line somewhere, or if you're just sitting in your cubicle at work and your coworker passes by, I want you to find opportunities, to create opportunities, to be a blessing to someone. Find a word of encouragement, speak something into their life. You may not know that person very well, but it doesn't, it's not a hard thing just to look at them and smile and say, I hope today is an amazing day. If you know someone and you know the issues of life that they're facing, why not offer to pray for them? Why not be that spiritual atmosphere changer that you know you can be? Don't be afraid. You're a warrior and you are going out representing the love of God to everyone around you. Come on. It's day two. I know it. You're crushing it. All right. How many will take that assignment to heart this week? Come on, this is again where the rubber meets the road, putting practical application to these things that we're discussing, these things that we're learning. You and I can be atmosphere changers. Ananias was an atmosphere changer. He was an atmosphere changer in that story. Why? Responding and obeying to the, obeying the Lord. Barnabas was an atmosphere changer. Why don't you and I start to be like Barnabas? That's that assignment right there. I guarantee you, that's the sort of thing Barnabas did all the time. Looking to invest, looking to call out the best in someone, speaking life over them, encouragement over them. He was an atmosphere changer. Saul. Saul was an atmosphere changer. Once Jesus got a hold of his life, he went around and was an absolute massive atmosphere changer. Imagine how incredible it would be to have a church full of people who were once so, so, so bent on opposing the gospel. God shows up and arrests them, and now they're being paraded around just preaching the gospel with anointing and power like nobody else. You and I have to start to view our role in this a little bit differently. God wants you to be an atmosphere changer, and it can happen by one encouraging word. It can happen by showing up, like Mary just said, being there for somebody, encouraging someone, noticing they're not quite themselves and taking the time to stop and really ask, really find out what's happening in life. Spiritually growing people as builders and as warriors start to change the atmosphere around them. Don't, take the, don't hear that statement and think, oh, wow, I have to like, you know, act like an atmosphere changer. No, you need to let God flow through you, the Holy Spirit flow through you. Be willing to obey and speak up in love and speak out in encouragement like Melissa was saying. Have that same zeal to speak out when you see something, but now you're seeing people and you really care about people's lives and you're going to speak out and care for them. Speak out and pray for them. You're going to speak out and offer a word of hope, offer a scripture, offer an encouragement. That's an atmosphere changer. 
Spiritual warriors change the atmosphere, and it's not always by having to lop the head off of an enemy. It can be by encouraging and changing the atmosphere right in your own life, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Come on, how many believe God wants you to continue on your path of growth, continue learning to be builders and learning to be warriors in his kingdom? Amen? Why don't we close our eyes? Let's finish off here tonight with a quick word of prayer before we head home. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful that we're able to get into your word once again, Lord, that we're able to uh, see how you bring us along this journey. You pull us from where we were and how we were living, and you start to change and transform us one bit at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time. Lord, I pray that every single one of us hearing this would just have a heart and an attitude towards you that says, God, I want to continue growing. I want to continue learning to be a builder, continue learning to be a warrior. In fact, I realize, God, I have been learning. I maybe didn't even realize it. I see that I have been learning these things right from the time I started my journey with you. God, I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. I don't want to stop and plateau somewhere. I want to learn how to continue hearing your still, small voice. I want to learn to keep obeying you even when there's some things that are bigger and more difficult. The bigger and difficult things come because, Lord, I know that you see me and you realize I can handle them. And you're going to start to speak some things that are maybe a bit harder than a few years prior. Lord, I pray everyone here that you would strengthen them, help them keep their eyes on you, their vision on you, their focus on you. That we would leave here this week. We would be an atmosphere changer. Not because we're trying to make ourselves look good. We truly care about people. And we want to be there to be an atmosphere changer. We want to be there to show them your love. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who doesn't have their own relationship with you. They've not yet started their own journey with you. Or maybe they did years ago and just let it drift away for whatever reason. Lord, tonight you want to give them a fresh start. Tonight you want to give them a fresh opportunity to start their own relationship with you. Lord, and I pray right now that you would just uh, speak to every one of us. Show us your love. Show us your purpose. Show us your plan and your destiny for our lives.